What is up? Welcome back to the 3C Podcast. I'm your host, Brett McGrath. It is Friday, and you know what that means. New episode, new pod, new insight. Let's go. I got Shay O'Brien on the pod today. She helps technology companies launch successful products by creating personalized customer experiences through amazing go-to-market strategies. That's what she does through her leadership at Thought Bakery. Everyone go check out Thought Bakery. Really cool stuff. We hit it off by talking about communities, and I wanted to get her on the podcast to share some perspective on how to do community-led marketing the right way. Tons of good stuff in this one. If you like what I'm doing over here, hit the subscribe button. Tell a damn friend about the 3C Podcast. You know someone in content who's looking to level up? I'm bringing the conversations. Without further ado, let's kick it to the conversation. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the 3C Podcast. Got a exciting conversation here today. I'm with Shay O'Brien, who's the founder and head of strategy at Thought Bakery. We got connected, had some really good conversation, and I thought, man, I think this would make for a good podcast episode. We're going to talk, be talking about community, a topic that's kind of near and dear to my heart, and I know it's near and dear to our guests, but without further ado, Shay, how are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Just as we were talking about, it's a pretty warm day in, in New York. So we're keeping cool, but excited about the conversation we're going to have today. Yes. Glad we're not recording this outside. It is, it yeah. is br- br- <laughs> brutal right now. Maybe before we dive into the topic, I think you have an interesting background just based on your experience, kind of what you've done that has led you to being the, the founder of an agency that helps companies with their message, content, and strategy. Maybe talk through a little bit about your background and kind of what led you to Thought Bakery. Sure. So my background's more or less focused. It started off in the oil and gas industry. Most of my academic career, postgrad, grad, well, postgrad, undergrad was business, marketing, then energy, trade, and finance. And then I jumped into working as a trading operator for Shell. That set kind of like a really nice base, getting exposed to both upstream and downstream operations. Fast forward, I became the CMO of like a $50 million engineering company. And then sometime after that, I moved to the US. And what was really awesome, well, not awesome at first, but you know, there's, there's no oil and gas in the middle of Manhattan. So I was trying to evaluate, okay, wh- what is the pivot to be made? And digital media at the time, or I would say digital media the past decade, has just been so rapidly evolving. So I jumped into the audience data and the video advertising space. That's where I kind of really got a love for programmatic, understanding RTB a lot better, and really applying my past experience of working with like industrial B2B companies, where a huge focus was on like humanizing a lot of complex product experiences. I applied that into my roles that I took on here in the city. And I was like, but we could do this. I could do this at scale and I could do this for a lot more companies. So that led to the creation of Thought Bakery in 2018. And here we are today. We've grown four times or four X since we've started off. Our team has gone from just myself to about seven uh, creatives. We're a virtual agency. Uh, We have clients from Australia to New York and it's been a fun ride. Awesome. What, What is the biggest problem that you're hearing from your clients or future clients about just where, where Thought Bakery can come in and help? Like, what are the what are some trends and things you're hearing? Definitely, it always starts off 
from that huge pain point, I feel both B2C and B2B marketers have, which is distilling your core value proposition, especially for advanced tech products, into very simple human messaging. You know, like, and the thing is, is that many times if we're talking to, you think that our audience or our ICP is is CMO or marketing directors. And while they're included, it's usually CEOs that reach out to us or even a CTO that I would meet and have a conversation with. And they're very attached to their products and they feel very sure of the value it can provide for their prospects. But they're like, you know, we're having a challenge where we don't feel like people are really getting it. We don't feel like people are understanding the breadth of what this product can do. And that's usually because they, they write the story because they know it so well. So they write it from a space of knowledge and prospects are not coming from a space of knowledge. Sure, they may might have researched different uh, products in market uh, and they know what they want, but they don't know your products and your company intimately. And if your marketing does not set the context, which April Dunford does a great job about talking about in context setting, that's, that's a pain point that's going to be almost viral throughout not just your external marketing, but also your employer branding. Because your people need to be on board and each time you ship a new feature, you ship a new product, right? They need to really feel like, oh, I get it. I get it. Why this is part of our roadmap and, and how we're really fulfilling our mission. I love that. So many good uh, insights and nuggets in there and things you're working on and thinking about on a day-to-day basis. One thing that stuck out to me is just uh, humanizing the message. And I think that's a good maybe pivot into the conversation around Community, obviously, I think in order to be a part of or to build a community, there needs to, there's a human component and an element that we all need to be thoughtful of. Diving into it, maybe we start with the maybe not so great stuff and work our way up to the the good stuff. But like, what are some things that we do in B2B marketing when it comes to building a community or thinking about building a community that might get in the way of organizing around that and getting people excited about what we're doing? Sure. I feel like that's like the best question. One thing that I, I honestly, I feel like I talk about this all the time. I talk about this with my team. I talk about it with my peers. I'm pretty sure I've nagged my husband with it at the point. But marketing teams spend a lot of time asking customer-centric questions internally in the organization and in their team, and not enough time actually asking their prospects and customers. And they spend massive amounts of resources. I'm not just talking about budget. I'm talking about planning, campaign execution, testing around maybe the thoughts of three or four people who say, I think people want this. Or, you know, the CEO saying, sure, I think, you know, this part of the product is the most awesome. And then the marketing team is, okay, we'll build a campaign around that. And they assume what their clients are like as individuals and what they want to know about the product. And I feel like that's something that needs to be diminished. The amount of time we spend focusing on our personal assumptions about what, how we feel this product or this customer experience is should be built and and what's going to resonate like we are producing our own research that's coming out in September and one thing that we found from the panel was like you know when creating user focused b2b campaigns 50% of marketers said their biggest challenge is having the data available to identify their ideal customers so if you don't have those data driven insights you're going to not just make assumptions but you're probably going to go AWOL 
Um, and then that leads now to a place of not, not just replanning or saying, okay, let's pivot. You probably have to do damage control because you've created an impression that has rubbed your prospects the wrong way, where you might not even be able to get them to come back. I love that. I've been on the other side of that, assuming and not talking to customers at early in my career. And when I had that epiphany of what was possible when we did spend some time focusing on conversations, like it was a, certainly a breakthrough for me. Maybe just a lot of marketers listening to this show, maybe they're in bigger organizations where customer conversations might be viewed as like a CS thing or might be viewed as a product thing. Like, do you have any recommendations for marketers out there on like things that they can do to get involved in those conversations and begin that process if it, if it isn't already started? That's also an awesome question because we built, let's go back to the point of what we're talking about, which is how do, how do B2B brands, how do brands on a whole build community? And the best advice I always get, well, I hope it's the best advice, is that you start from within. So traditionally, sales, marketing, and product are fairly siloed. I mean, now, let's say in the past decade, especially with the rise of ABM, everything is about sales and marketing alignment. But when it, if we're really going to be honest about it, sales and marketing teams generally feel that they're competing with each other. Product teams feel like no one understands them. And then marketing and sales are just going to pressure them to put unnecessary features or products in the pipe. And the thing is, these three teams have, they currently, or I would say some, are still in that old mentality of being competitive with each other. And it's a massive opportunity to be collaborative, to get unified insights into what the ideal customer is like. Because product is building and shipping things that are inferred by actual customer feedback or market needs. Sales are getting on the phone with prospects and existing customers that speak to why acquisition and retention is where it is. And marketing is building these visual and these verbal and verbal audio, every kind of sensory campaign they can think of to really get people jazzed, engaged, and interested. If these three teams come together and actually, whether it's by means of marketing automation or a Slack channel or a Google Doc, it's a great way for them to have a 360 view of where in their ICP they know, okay, this is definitely what our customers need. They want, this should be part of the roadmap now. This should be part of it in a year. And then they can also see the gaps. They can also, when when the three of them work together, they can also see the gaps of where okay, we really not understand, we understand why people are, our acquisition rate is awesome, but retention is slower than, or our churn is exceptionally high. And we're not getting that feedback we need to really improve the product experience. Sometimes it's not even the product experience, it's the post acquisition experience, which is, you know, support. People may not want to jump on a chat or just an email support system. And these are things that can be, I I don't want to use the word resolved, but they can be identified in real time when these three teams work together, because then the communication happens pretty much within hours and days. So product is going to say, hey, we can build this, we can ship this feature in two weeks. And then sales can say, okay, we can start teasing that and letting customers who we feel are you know, giving us a, a, a tease that they're going to churn. And then marketing can start prepping that campaign. So once that feature ships, we're ready to go, you know, but when there's a lack of internal collaboration, when it comes to customer insights, and they're not backed by actual data, we are constantly kind of going to be drinking our own 
or juice and at times it's going to be pretty sour. Yep. So it sounds like before we even need, before we even get started about thinking about building and developing an external community, we need to think about um, building kind of our own internal community and building alignment with other teams. Whose responsibility is that? Like, how does that get done? Like, obviously, like, I don't think that's a wake up one day, get on Zoom or wake up one day and get in the office. And all of a sudden, like, it's, you know, we're, we're all in operating in harmony. But like, yeah. how do you how do you see that taking place? So another like interesting insight we found from our research was that 36% of B2B marketers said their biggest challenge when it comes to understanding how to position the product experience was having unclear executive direction. And you will find there's a lot of uh, executive teams, so CEOs, CTOs, CSOs who believe, hey, I have VPs in place. It is up. This is a core part of their JD. They need to know how to work together. But it's it's top down when it comes to collaboration. And I don't mean the CEO say, hey, you guys need to work together. Um, I'm, they have to actually foster the right conversations. And in their actions, so for instance, if sales is 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 killing it at quota, and they've come back and said, yeah, this, this, this is happening. It's up to the CEO to say, okay, great. How are we translating that into our marketing campaign? How is product getting that feedback so they know to whether if it's pulled back, you know, shipping a couple products because they're actually working pretty good for now and they don't need optimization. And when we talk about executive leadership, Many times people are, are, it's a pull and push effect because when it comes to marketers, marketers like to feel empowered to do their best work. They like to feel empowered to create, to ideate, to strategize. Sales think the same thing with sales teams. They like to run their own book. But the biggest part of it is to have that confidence. And I feel that when there is that unclear direction at the very top, it, it wanes on that confidence. So it allows that confidence to wane. And if you have people who, where their morale is not at the highest level, forget collaboration. They're not gonna, they're they're not even motivated to do their own job and to run their to make their own team agile. Far more to then bring other teams into that. So I really do think we're in a time where disruption is no longer I hate using this word, but like a sexy thing in B two B marketing. It's just a way of life for us. We do need to keep evolving and changing this space has it's nowhere near plateau. And in doing that, there needs to be subtle mindset shifts. I'm not talking about radically changing how you lead your organization, but recognizing that leadership now has an increased responsibility to really motivate these teams to partner together so they can run faster as an organization versus the individual goals um, of the teams we're talking about. Okay. Yeah, that's a great perspective. I think the amount of work, the mind shift, you talked about the characteristics of the individuals, like getting all of those things together. It comes from the top, organizing around that, getting people's buy-in. Let's say we've got buy-in, product team, marketing team, sales team, they're working together regularly. There's Slack conversations going on, stand-up meetings where they're sharing everything. Things are looking good from an alignment perspective. Now we've got this idea is from, from the top down, it's like, we need to build a community around this, the problem that we're solving. I hear community a lot in marketing today. I hear, I see it. Everyone's talking about community. Communities are, are really difficult. One community I think we're both a part of that 
I think is great is Superpath with what Jimmy's doing in the content marketing space. Like to me, every day, that's a, seeing a community in action. I guess a lot of talk around community, like how as marketers should we think and be thoughtful about kind of trying to achieve community before we even do anything? Like what types of things should should we be thinking about? So just going back to our previous point that we were talking about, right? Once you have that like immense comprehension of your value proposition through the lens of both your executive team and your customers, you're ready to run. You know, you know who you're talking to, you know how, what conversations they want to be engaged in. And now it's trying to figure out what's the intent of the community you're trying to build. I want to go to two great examples. Huge fan of Apple, huge fan of Lego. I'm such a loyalist to Apple that sometimes when I get irritated with my Apple devices, I was like, ah, I wish I wasn't this married to you. I've been an Android user as well. But there is something about Apple's experience that transposes, that almost it crosses over from product usage. It goes into this life bonding to my specific lifestyle. Let's look at when Apple launched the Genius Bar, right? Most people think about it, okay, that's when I go to fix something. But when you, is there ever a time you pass by an Apple store and you don't see long lines? You don't, if you look at, if you look at how actual behavior within the store, people are hunched over, they're on their phone, they're looking at new products. They're almost like geeking out over the products they have and the new products that came out, right? And they're having these organic conversations with the Apple staff. And Apple has done a really, really good job of creating a community for their users. So much so, I mean, they're at a legacy stage where be an Apple user, not be an Apple user, we've got our tribe. And if we if we look at what took it to that, right? You know, like first it was the phenomena of Steve Jobs. He had a lot to do with the persona of the brand. Then, for instance, in the past year, the iMac now has colored, well, it's not a sleeve, it's colored. There are constant adaptations and, and iterations that are being shipped to cater for the new users and giving them thing, products to actually talk about. And I think that's what we missed when we started to talk about building a community. Community means there is something for people to bond over, not just typical value usage, right? Like, like I feel like this is the other best example, like Lego. Lego is a brand that you would think it's just for kids, but Lego brings parents into their world. I don't know if you saw it, but they now have a Lego hotel. And it's, it's upstate New York, I think. But Lego does amazing things because they recognize one, well, parents are the ones who've got is going to buy this for their kids. But why not let the parents have fun too? So when we think about building a community, sometimes the first step is thinking, how do people talk? Dev.to is a great place that developers go to post their content, read other content. They've got about 600,000, I think, developers on their platform. And I admire it very much because developers are a very tough crowd. They can spot marketing. They can sniff it out really quickly. They get annoyed when they're being pitched to. They get annoyed when they're being lied to. And I feel like that's a great example of when you just focus on what is valuable to your specific segment and give them the opportunity to engage. When people feel that they're a part of the creative process, when they feel they're a part of the content build. I mean, like, for instance, you guys with, with the juice, it's pretty, I, I think Jimmy referred to it as a Netflix 
of B2B. I sometimes refer to it as, I, I think I was speaking to another member of your team and I said, it's almost like if marketing profs, Pinterest and LinkedIn had a baby. And it's because you're, it's highly visual. It allows B2B marketers to engage on demand and you can do things, you can communicate and collaborate with your team on your own time in terms of how you receive this content. There's not a lot of signups. There's not a lot of gates. And this is, this is what I see as being a core part of creating a community. A community is not about sites. It is about engaging the loyalists and the advocates that, have, that most likely were early adopters of your customer experience or your product experience. And taking those learnings and engaging them to bring in more users, to get their feedback, to show them that you're taking that feedback and incorporating it into the product. I mean, my fear with Superpath is that I love that community so much. And my fear is like, it's roughly under 3,000, I, I think for now. But I don't know if that intimate experience, that experience of where you have these one-on-one -on -one connections and you have all these different threads, when it grows to like 10,000, is it going to be the same thing or is it going to be overwhelming? But then it just might be that the platform evolves onto another distro channel. So community itself is a concept. It's not so much about that. People are like, okay, so do we start a Slack channel? I'm <laughs> like, well, well do, your, do your employees even use Slack? Do they, are they engaged? Do they respond when they post things in the general channel? I'm like, what about LinkedIn? We did an audit for an existing client and we saw for 80% of their sales teams, they're not active on LinkedIn in terms of organic posting. They use LinkedIn Sales Navigator, yes, but they're not, you know, active social users. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because not everyone's comfortable in engaging with social media. So community might be something as simple as an email thread internally to say like, hey guys, these are our top 10 customers like for this month. And then tacking on to the, the, so the sales may share that. And then marketing is like, oh, this is great. Can we turn this into a quote or a testimonial? Um, or do you think the customer is going to be willing to do a video with us? And then product jumps in and says, oh, wow, guys, do you know we could like offer this feature for free for a certain time and stuff like that. Like that's how you really get community going. You leverage that internal running to really churn out external engagement or to provoke it at least. I love what you said about volume and starting small and being really focused. I think so much of B2B marketing is a volume game. Everyone wants more and more and more, never enough. And as B2B marketers seek out more and we do things to try to generate more, I hate that word generate, but, but get more, <laughs> it, it waters everything we're doing down because you can't be specific and you can't speak to that individual. So I think maybe talk about like, how as marketers do we come from a place of abundance and like what type of things can we be doing to get really focused early and like maybe talk about the importance of just getting really focused? Definitely. So focus that like I actually saw coming back to Superpath, I saw a recent question, which is like, hey guys, Pyogil happening here. We had a budget to do um, a creative project and now we're being told we need to use that for something that's going to get us um, like an insane acquisition goal next month. And I was like, I, you, you kind of just feel your heart sink because when marketing teams are not in a place of confidence where 
they know the goals that they're executing against, they know the audiences they're building campaigns for, and they're empowered to then go and create to match those kind of two goals or to please those two segments, they become anxious. And then without that focus, campaigns go all over the place. We have within the team, there's more competitive behavior because it's like, okay, I can do this better or I can, you know, I know, you know, the CEO told me this, so I'm going to use this to put some things in the book. And you're not running as one. So going back to focus, focus is key. Focus, making sure everybody's on the same bus, heading to the same concert is key. The second thing is understanding, going back to intent, understanding what is the intent of the community. Your community could be 100% just for product feedback. It can have nothing to do with demand gen or retention. It can literally be, you know what? We do not want to spend a lot of budget on user research, even though I always advocate for investing in user research. It will it will create immense long-term value. But we don't want to put our budget there. We want to have this organic stream of information of this is how people feel about it and this is how we can respond. So whether you call that a help desk, whether you use social media to answer customer questions, that could be, it could be as simple as just being the best support mechanism for your existing customers. But then it might extend into, okay, well, we actually want to know how people feel not just about our products, but other products in this industry space. Or how do they, how do they celebrate these? How does it affect their life? Something I say pretty often is as B2B marketers, we need to understand how products influence a person's professional ability on a personal level at the end of the day b2b is is human to human and when we talk about building a community it's going to be around things that people can bond over things that people can say okay this um you know i use gcp over aws because our teams have been able to scale growth by and Da, 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 da. We are able to ship product 2x faster. This is by no means a real, a real quote. Um, I love both products. But my point is, is the intent of the community has to be very clear to the organization before they set out to build it. And when they set out to build it, the first thing they have to ask themselves is where do my people communicate? Where is my tribe located? Are they located on Reddit? Are they on LinkedIn? Are they predominant, predominantly in email? Does our newsletter base, is it highly engaged? Do we know we have a pretty, um, an audience that is sizable there? That's the best way to communicate with them. Do we communicate with them there and send them to a Slack channel? Um, do we have an event? This sets the stage. We have to understand where are they participating? Where do they exist? And then that we started test. And I still, I really believe in small. Starting small, but the ripple effect of, don't jump, don't just create a Slack channel for the three customers who said they're joined, you know, start with an email thread or start with advocating for internal employees to post about the brand, send them new collateral you've created, send them awards we've won, send them updates on the product. Hey guys, we know uh, you've been looking forward to this. This is going to ship next week. You know, uh, Gerard is going to do a stand-up in conference room A or in Zoom room B, letting you know like all the top-level insights. And that's how you start to create now the legs. So I talk a lot about internal internal buy-in and how that influences build, building communities. 
But what we what was really interesting is that in our research, we found 76% of marketers would consider an incentivized employee advocacy program to increase brand awareness. So they know the power of their employees, right? But let's say they didn't want to take that route. They just wanted the marketing team to build a community. It's the same process that needs to happen. Marketing needs to understand where are prospects and customers interacting and then creating a roadmap towards not reaching them all at once. And it, it, it's more about seeing how can we get resonance faster and then without using the word scale, growing that influence across different channels. We saw how much people logged on to Clubhouse and then now we also see, I've not seen the word Clubhouse in my feed for a while. I'm not saying it won't have a reemergence, but marketers also like trendy things. And many times product loyalists and brand advocates, they're not big into the shiny things because it, it, it gives them a false sense of belonging. So you mentioned you you try you hesitated for a minute, but you said scale. But I'm going to bring it back up. <laughs> um, I think everything we do as marketers is like we view it from this perspective of like, is this scalable? Like, can we like put a system around this to automate these things? You know, I think some of that has got us into this position where some of the tactics and things we've been doing for the last five years seem completely out of date now. But when we're talking about community, like you said, ripple effect, like we want it to grow. We want people to share with their friends that are like them. They want to be a part of it because there's a purpose and a mission that aligns with them. As the marketer, this community is forming. You talked about the roadmap. How do we think about just the, the scalability of it? Should we be thinking about the scalability of it? Growth is always top of mind. The impact of everything we do as marketers is I always say marketing it's like if you say, you know, people say, um, tell me about your digital marketing services. And yes, digital out of home and out of home still has a segment, but there's no marketing now that's not digital. So marketing in, in, inherently is a digital thing. And I even feel now digital marketing is just another phrase for growth. So when I advise, especially stealth startups who they have no customers, the product is being built and we're developing a GTM plan or go-to-market plan, that a lot of the times what we spend time talking about is what are realistic expectations for this launch plan? So we know brand awareness is where it's at. That's the goal, right? We may say we set an initial goal of 1,000 subscribers. We do a lot of fancy modeling and become a bit LTV and a really nice pack and blah, blah, blah. And it all comes down to what can how can we level up the future authenticity of this product experience? And many times we come up with a number like 50. We come up with a number like, okay, 50 people for a product that has, it might not be a subscription-based product. It might have a sizable deal, deal size. That we say, okay, if we can get 50 people, that is a massive sample size because it means we would have engaged something like 50 CTOs or chief supply chain officers, or especially like we're dealing with manufacturing. And these are people who are highly technical, extremely expert in their field. And they're not going to just provide us with feedback around our product. They're going to give us a lot of insights about how they feel about this industry and in this entire space, right? And that's going to influence the kind of stuff we talk about from a thought leadership perspective. So community now influences a few things. It influences customer support and success. 
it influences the existing product and how that product is going to evolve, at least for the next 12 to 24 months. And it definitely influences marketing and sales from a content development standpoint, from how we build out advocacy. For instance, like you, you may have technical advocacy, but then you also have thought leadership advocacy. It definitely impacts your MPS scores, things like lower attrition. But most importantly, one of the biggest things, I think, with scalable growth, or like, you know, people say sustainable growth. If you think about growth for what it is, how, how can it really be sustainable, right? I mean, I would say it can be progressive, where over time, there's always tick, 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 tick upwards. But at the end of the day, scaling can mean a few things. It can mean top line revenue growth, which is what we all want. It can mean more dynamic content programs. So we realize based off customer feedback, hey, we realize when we put stuff in, when we ship a new product and we do a podcast episode around it, that gets a lot more engagement than doing any other social campaign. We get a better sense of where our product is competing adequately and where we definitely are missing the mark. So it goes across the organizational map for strategy. And this is why chief strategy officers or heads of strategy, they spend a lot of time in talking to all the teams um, and really getting seeded into the future. I also call them, the reason I love strategy is because strategy is not concepts. It's not like thinking, what if? Strategy is actually sitting down and pulling all these data points and figuring out what can we translate via all these whether it's campaigns, processes, products, whatever, what can we translate into recognizable value like top line revenue? And what can we translate into qualitative outputs um, or campaigns or market awareness that has long-term value attached to it? Does that make sense? No, it does. And I feel like it was just packed full of insights. This whole conversation has been packed full of insights. If you're listening to this, you might want to listen to it again with a notepad and take some notes. I surely will be. Maybe let's close out with this, Shay. You've covered a lot of ground here. We've talked about alignment internally. We've talked about community building. We've talked about scaling. I'd love for you to maybe end on a note with just recommendation for any any advice you have to anyone out there listening just about like what is the one thing that someone in a marketing role should focus on when trying to get a community going? Uh, I'm going to like, I'll, tr- I'll try to keep it to three. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> but the, the first one, I think this one leads into all the others, which is look at your ecosystem from a bird's eye view. So most companies have three big audiences, partners, employees, and customers. Uh, this, is, this is the world you play in. These people influence your tone, your overall personality. If every brand could like show up as like a sim character, right? What would influence that how that character looked and dressed and spoke? It would be these people. So don't just look at, okay, you know, we need customer feedback. It's not a one D thing. Look at your ecosystem from the viewpoint of all the players and how you're actually getting or creating a communication flow between them and the organization and how you're taking those insights and really adapting to it, both in the product and the customer experience. The second thing is, I would definitely say, if you can afford it, invest in user research. We do not, at Thought Bakery, we do not take on projects 
that we're not allowed to actually spend a lot of time in brand discovery, talking to the existing customers or evaluating and building their ICP based off actual market feedback. I mean, companies like Sentiment and Survey Monkey make it quite affordable for you to run your own panel. And, and they're definitely, user research is definitely something that has a huge amount of long-term value attached to it. And then the third thing, I would say it's kind of like a smash up of a couple of things we spoke about, which is spend, spend that time to align the goals of your organization with the demand of your customers. Because when that alignment isn't there, marketing teams feel it the most. We're honestly like, in the middle of a sandwich and we're just getting squish, 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 squish. Because we're hearing that people want to hear about this, but then there's that there might be that internal pulling that's preventing us from really understanding who are we building these campaigns for and what are they meant to achieve, right? And that's why I keep saying building from within. Sometimes it's as easy as starting um, an internal Slack channel. Sometimes it's as easy as setting up a virtual coffee session and do a one-off. The wonderful thing about marketing teams, they're allowed to do testing. Whenever a marketing team say, hey, we're trying out something new, they're like, okay, great. But while they might, there's that initial annoyance, it's expected from us. And then I guess that was way more than three. But the last thing I'll leave with is that there's a lot of organic communities that exist where you can learn from and really get a sense for what your prospects and customers talk about and how they talk about it. You have Product Hunt, you have Reddit. You have spaces like um, Superpath's Slack channel. I think I've learned a lot about, I've actually gotten a lot of validation from that community in what my challenges are as a marketer when it comes to scaling, for instance. Like growth is something that's always celebrated and it's always seemed like, oh, that's, that's, that's the goal. But growth itself is very sticky and challenging, right? And many times navigating growth in terms of building your subscriber base or building advocacy comes with a lot of learning, a lot of small failures, a lot of, wow, we really put out five blogs and we have 30 views. You know, that's not necessarily a loss in the long term. If it's anything, it's ticked off this list, like we tried that, right? To say you've tried it. I think the worst thing marketers can do when they're trying to build a community is trying to be super specific about it because there's no recipe, right? Your people today are super fluid in their choices. How they interact with their environment is completely dependent on their mood, the time of day, where they are, who they are around. And we've got to make sure, sorry, we've got to make sure we, we're honest with ourselves. We can't always know what those behaviors are like but we can use research and the ecosystem we're in to at least get insights to build a better picture of knowledge of who these people are. I love it. Research, talk to people, align internally. I've got a ton of takeaways. I'm sure you do too if you're out there. Uh, Shay, before I completely let you go, it is a marketing podcast. So why don't you plug where people can find you or maybe Thought Bakery where people can go to learn more? Sure. You can find us at thought-bakery.com. You can find me on LinkedIn at Shea O'Brien. And I hope you follow us on any of our channels, whether it's Instagram or LinkedIn, specifically LinkedIn, that's the best one, because we'll be producing our first research report next month. Uh, and I think B2B marketers are really going to enjoy that. 
fantastic. And for what it's worth, I go to a lot of B2B websites, agency websites. And when I hit Thought Bakery for the first time, it was very clear what you guys were about and who you helped out. So kudos to the messaging. It was on point. Shay had a ton of fun. I know everyone out there will certainly learn something. Have to have you back on to talk soon. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brett. It was awesome. Can't wait to do it again. I learned a ton from her and I am so excited that I got connected and her mindset is great and it helps me as I'm thinking about how we're approaching the market here at The Juice. And speaking of the company that I work for, have you signed up for The Juice yet? It is free. Go to thejuicehq.com. Enjoy your frictionless content experience. You're going to want to listen to that episode with Shay again. There's so many nuggets in that one. Enjoy your weekend. Take care. Talk soon. Be back next week with more 3C Podcasts.